Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We look behind it, too, and in it, discovering the stories and the culture, the history, and, of course, the people who make it all happen. I'm Gina Birch. We also taste a little wine along the way. I'm Julie Glenn. Summer travel season is here, and Great Minds is taking a tour of Italy through wine. Yes. We still can't travel as freely there, and even though restrictions are lifting, many places are still not up and running at full speed, and I believe that Italy is one that is not. Uh, you're right. I do yet. have some friends who um, have tickets to go, and they're planning their trip. They said, you know what? We're going. We're just going to throw caution to the wind and experience and enjoy what we can. And I love that sense of adventure, and I think that the Italians would embrace that as well. So by all means, if you have travel plans, just go. Do it if this is, it's it's not going to be the same for a long time. So let's just enjoy it now. We're going to go like, through the glass. Power through it. Make yeah. us proud. We're make doing, us proud. <laughs> you make Don't us be proud. obnoxious Americans. <laughs> we are traveling the length and girth and width of Breath. Italy <laughs> through, through the glass. Last week we were in Sicily. Uh, so this week we're in the southern part of Italy. We're going to be working our way northward, mm-hmm. which is um, not the normal trajectory for most travelers. No. People hit Rome. Florence, Venice, and call it a day most of the time. Right. But a lot of times people from America who are wanting to, um, you know, find their roots, they end up having to go south because a lot Mm -hmm. of the Italians that came to America came from southern Italy because it's not as economically prosperous. And so people always, you know, come to America looking for a better life. Uh So uh, we are going to take our our little trip and we're we're lumping it all together because we did every single region. It would take us forever to get through the country of Italy. Um, so we're going to hit Calabria, Puglia, Basilicata, Campania, Moli, uh, and Lazio. Oh, easy for you to say. I know. Yeah. Well, okay, so Lazio is the region that Rome is in. Okay. It is not really well known for great wine, but I've had some really good wines mm-hmm. from there. It's just they somehow don't get exported and marketed all that readily. There's some good whites from that area, if I remember correctly, when I was visiting. I can't remember the names of them right now, but we'll, we'll hit on them, I'm sure. They're great, and there are tons of... Really, really good reds. Mm-hmm. And that's because um, they filled in a bunch of swampland south of Rome under the reign of Mussolini in order to have more, you know, productive earth that yep. they could grow stuff on. And, of course, they chose to grow grapes. I had a blend from Rome one time, and, uh, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. Oh, really? There aren't many that do that. It was from south of Rome, and it was this little producer. I've never seen I mean, it was in Italy. Um, and it was a school thing mm-hmm. from what I was over at the University of Gastronomic Sciences, and he drove over from Rome mm. to Abruzzo, where we all were, and we were sitting there, and we were waiting, and we were waiting, <laughs> and I was about to eat That's my why arm. you cried, because you I was were so, so happy hungry. to get something in the glass. I was starving, <laughs> and I wanted wine, and I just uh-huh. wanted to come on. So when he finally got there, it was the best one I ever had. Yeah. But there's something to be said for starving people before you feed them, because then you get better compliments, you know? <laughs> that is so true. But I mean, I and think wine is the wine ex- was really that good. And it, I had other wines from Lazio, and it was it was quite good. Okay. And and wine, as we know, is experiential. A lot of it is uh, the, the how you feel about it, where you are, who you're with, what you're eating. All all of that stuff makes a difference. You're you'll never be able to recreate uh, a, a one event where the you wine are. Experience. Yeah. Be, the I've experience. I've heard so many people. I had this wine; it was so good in Italy. But then I got it when I was here in America, and it's, like, and it's not as good. And I'm like, well, because you're not sitting at a trattoria in Italy 
watching beautiful crowds go by and mm -hmm. having no pressure. It makes everything taste it, better. It does. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about then the white. Let's start with the white wines of, of southern Italy. We've got Vermentino, which is, is really one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I just love the crispness of it. It's such a great summer wine. Uh, we've got Trebbiano and uh, uh, Calabria Ciro. In Calabria, the region is Ciro, but um, the grape there is Greco Bianco. Okay, Greco Bianco, that's it. And all these dudes are all over the whole South, all the white guys. Right. They're, they're all over the place. Um, southern white guys is what you're saying? Southern whiteies. In Italy. Um, yeah, <laughs> Calabria's Ciro region has a, a red and a white, and the white is mainly uh, Greco Bianco. So, um, so I mean, we can start, if we want, just going from the south on up. So we started in Sicily, mm -hmm. crossed the Strait of Messina on a ferry boat and drive your little car up Calabria, which is the toe. So you got the toe reaching up into the arch. The toe is known for super spicy foods, mm -hmm. really hot stuff. And the last few times I've been there, they've had some pretty nice rosés. Which is a great oh, foil cool. to spicy yeah. tomato sauces. Mm -hmm. And their spicy salami, which is kind of a soft one. It's called nduja. Mm -hmm. It's apostrophe N-D-U-J-A. Not andui as in... No. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's called nduja. But um, it's it's uh, spreadable on bread, and it's spicy. Ooh. But it's a kind of spicy that you still taste the flavors of the stuff that you put the spice on. It, it's not like a, like it's searing your, your taste buds for and ruining them for the rest of the meal. You know, it's so hot it tastes almost like a chemical. Right, you know? right. Which kind of is the experience that I've had a lot of times with uh, buffalo sauces, mm -hmm. which I know people love them, mm -hmm. and they are milder versions, but I've just always felt like it just overwhelmed everything. But um, So then, okay, so there's Calabria. Then you go up a little bit further into the tickly part, which would be the arch, and mm -hmm. that is called Basilicata. Um, but before we go there, I know I'm going to jump around the map here a little bit. Let's go back up to Rome. We're in Lazio. A little south of Lazio is Campania. Mm. So that's the region that contains Napoli, where a lot of American Italians are from, or Italian-Americans, if you will. The best pizza in the world. That's where in pizza Napoli, started. I, I tell you, I went there years and years ago, and we had, like, two destinations. We definitely wanted to see the museums and all this stuff, but there were two pizza places mm -hmm. that you know it was the one that people line up around the block and uh one that they only do margarita and um and marinara and it was it changed my world when it comes to pizza the yeah. crust the ingredients and uh, i've never been the same since oh my gosh so good yeah Naples Ugh. is the place where pizza was born. Mm -hmm. They invented it um, in honor of Queen Margarita. Yep. It's not named after the tequila beverage we all nope. love. Um, it's named for her, and it contains the colors of the Italian flag. So you yes. have the white, which is a mozzarella buffalo, mm -hmm. which comes from a nearby town really close to uh, Napoli, and then the basil, which is the green. So you got the and the and red the tomato. sauce is the red. Yeah. So tomato is the red. The white is the mozzarella buffala, and then the green is your basil. Also near Naples is the um, town of Gragnano, which is known all over by anybody who knows anything about dried pasta, which is, you know, the stuff you buy in a box or a bag. Um, that is the town that makes the best dried pasta uh -huh. because they use only bronze dyes. They have a specific type of water that they use. I mean, it's not that complex. It's flour and water. Right. right. And then, they use the best in a specific blend in a and the yeah. type of um right. semolina pasta and then uh they extrude it through bronze dyes, mm -hmm. which is a little rougher than a Teflon dye. So when you're squeezing pasta through it it has like a little bit of rough edge to mm -hmm. it, which is like a sauce grabber. 
Oh my you know, gosh. There's like a science to so it. hungry right now. Yeah. No, you're right. That's the whole thing with pasta. There's a whole science of how it's shaped to hold the sauce, mm-hmm. to hold the meat, to interact with it. I mean, it's it's really, it's not just, you know, you throw a bunch of pasta on the plate and dump some sauce. There is a science and a reverence. Would, would reverence be a good word for it in Italy to, oh, yeah. to, to, for the pasta and the... And there are rules. Like there are certain, certain pastas that you use with certain things. Mm-hmm. Like you don't lo- use linguine with clams. Use spaghetti with clams. Right. Here linguine, it's like, why do they always say linguine? It's, but it's, they always use spaghetti over there. So mm-hmm. it's spaghetti alla valangale. Mm. And then you always have short pastas that are meat grabbers like radiatori or the fusilli. And the meat can kind of get stuck in those guys. Mm. In this area in Naples, in Campania, the regional pasta shape is uh, called pacari. And it's basically like a big, fat, wide tube, Mm. like about an inch in diameter and about two inches long. So kind of like something that a lot of people here might stuff. Maybe. Would they? I mean, no, I, it's not that too big. small to stuff. But, and then they have them like as short as like a half inch long. But oh, they're okay. always like it. about yep. two inches across. So it's just a wide tube. Mm-hmm. And they have that with kind of, I don't want to say watery, but like a, a thin kind of a sauce mm-hmm. that's based on a really good broth mm-hmm. made from the sea, from the sea creatures. And they have um, the seafood come in. They make a wonderful broth and they add a little tomato to it. And then a little bit of delicate seafood and that pasta and you're you're good all day. Ugh. That's what they. That's I, like I, I, you literally have me drooling over. I'm here. so sorry. But one Ugh. of the things that's cool about this region is you can find some vineyards, especially on the cliffs in Amalfi, the Amalfi area. Of course, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, yep. um, limoncello. It's beautiful. The lemon trees. That oh yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. That they have, like little vineyards that are tucked into some of these cliffs that have been protected protected because of the um, the terroir, the, the mountains, the, their uh, situation there. But they've been protected from phylloxera. Oh, so okay. I see where you're going. So phylloxera yeah. never made it to some of these vineyards. When that, you know, we all know devastated all the European mm-hmm. uh, grape vines. So all Europe, almost all European grape vines that are in any amount of production are on American rootstock. So you can find grapes there that are still on old European rootstock because they never had to graft them onto American rootstock, which is resistant to phylloxera. European rootstock remains... Um, vulnerable to phylloxera mm. so it's kind of a gamble yeah if they get phylloxera they're all, they're going to lose it all but um they haven't gotten in these little pockets which are somehow protected i think by the salinity because of the ocean the mediterranean ocean just crashing up against those rocks and being in that cliff type exposure that the phylloxera just somehow just never landed on some of these vineyards which is kind of cool. It is. It's it's super cool. So the red wine there is called Taurasi and it's made from the Alianico grape which is a grape that you'll want to get to know. But the Taurasi is made from the Alianico grape, namely the Alianico del Taburo. It's a tannic dude. It's got more of a tobacco cocoa flavor kind of thing. Mm. And it's big, dark red fruit. In whites there, they have the Fiano d'Avellino, which goes wonderfully with the seafood coming out of the sea right ne- right down the cliff. And they also have Greco di Tufo uh, growing there, uh, former being a little bit um, leaner. As mm-hmm. I said, that went with the seafood. The other one being more of a fatty that kind of goes with everything and air. Um, it's an easy drinker. Um, so then the great wine with a spectacular seafood coming off the Mediterranean. Greco's a little bit bigger and rounder. There's also Falangina. Oh, I do love a good Falangina. I've just It's got that saltiness. Yeah, I've recently had more of those, and it's just something that I keep thinking when I drink it, why am I not 
drinking having more, more of this. Well, you just don't find it all the time. It's it, not always front and center. You're right. You're right. So so if you see a Falangino, try it, especially with, with um, some seafood, seafood going into this sure. summer. I mean, it's... And light tomato dishes mm. or even tomato salads. The Falangino would be great. Mm. Of course, that's a lot of acidity, but it, it is... If you have a, ooh, a burrata salad. Yes. Burrata well, now being, you're of talking. course, now we're over in Puglia again. But, but mozzarella buffalo and Falangina is, is a match made in heaven. This is also the area where, from almost everywhere, you can see Mount Vesuvius. Mm-hmm. And we all know what Vesuvius did to Pompeii. It destroyed it. It burned them alive. It buried them in hot lava. Very sad. Oh, Very gosh. Sad you thing. know, have you been there? I, I went to Vesuvius, and I saw the casks the casts of the bodies yeah, just writhing and it just it's it's seared into my brain you know i may have sounded glib when i said that earlier but it 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 will if once you see that you will never it's it was just it made an impact obviously i can't even get the words out when, well, when i, mean, I saw this that this is it was, why to this day they call the wines that grow in that region lacrima christi which means tears of christ mm, yeah so um yeah that's they have a red and a white lacrima christi um so the um the red is Alianico and Pieri Rosso, which mm-hmm. means red feet. And the white is made from uh, an indigenous grape. They're called Cota de Volpe, meaning foxtail. Both great at funerals, paired with cheese cubes and mini quiches. Just kidding. <laughs> Just joking. Oh anyway, so <laughs> tears of Christ. Yeah, no, I get it. This I is what it. I'm pouring. Yeah. I want that poured at my funeral. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. I'm making note. Make make a note of that. I'm making note. I'm putting that in my Tell will. Tell me what hymns you want sung as well, and I'll write that down. Probably not hymns. It'll okay. probably be... Joan Jet. <laughs> I was gonna say I was going to say um, uh, Aretha Franklin. Well, uh, respect. respect. Yeah, that would be a good. That's a whole other show. Okay, that let's would be go. another show. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what wines mm. and songs to be sung at our? At our what wines to drink and songs? I think, think Lacrima Christi would be a great thing to serve. Yeah. Um. So there we are. So Basilicata, <laughs> Alianico, that's a good word to know how to pronounce if you like red wine and you're going to southern Italy. Right. Because you got Alianico there in the Campania region. If you go all the way down to Basilicata, which I would highly recommend, nobody goes to Basilicata. It's kind of desert-like. It's very dry, mm-hmm. um, kind of like California these days. But they have uh, their red wine. It's called Alianico del Vultura, mm-hmm. and that's the name of a town. But you want to go to Matera. That's the town that's incredible. That's where Mel Gibson shot his um, Christian, his movie, yeah, the, the Passion of the Christ. Passion I think of the Christ, yep. Um, he shot that there. It is 100% stuck in history, and it's incredible. You can stay in hotels because the way that they, they lived in caves mm-hmm. that were carved out of this soft stone called the Sassi, and then they would build like a house-like facade on the front, but your walls inside are cave walls. And oh, the wow. hotel, you can still go stay in the hotels. And the walls are like, you know, kind oh, of that. That's super cool. It's like a dusty, chalky kind of a thing. You know, I want to I interrupt here for a minute. Um, Julie has spent a lot of time in Italy, and her husband is from Calabria. And this is one of the reasons why she is so uh, has such great knowledge of the southern part of Italy. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Why is this woman talking so long about all this no, stuff? No, I just want, I mean, this is great. Uh, what, I'm, what I want to say is this is superb information for travel when you want to get off the beaten path of, of Italy. I mean, you just gave us some amazing tips of places to go and see. And you got to go to Matera. Yeah. I mean, just get south of Rome and um, see some other things. Anyway. There's some really cool stuff to see. Right. There's a lot of great history. It's just like uh, right there. Yeah. And, you know, if you go into a cafe, get the house wine because mm-hmm. it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it almost always With is. Three euros a carafe or something ridiculous. Yeah, and you'll <laughs> never be able to recreate it and have yeah. it ever again. 
so sorry. Oh, that's okay. Are we going to get into the reds now? Because I have a, I have a, some red in my glass that I'm dying to. Well, you're uh, over in Trulia. Okay, so I'm 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 still off the off the map for well, where, where you're, we're traveling right now? You're right next door. We're, right. we're in Basilicata. Now we can just move on over to okay, Puglia, which is kind of like a really big growing region. It's When you drive through it, you'll find it's very flat, very green, very lush. A lot of produce comes out of Puglia. And what we have in our glass is a Primitivo, which is one that I think a lot of people seem to know yes. for some reason. The grape. Um, this one is particularly uh, a good bottle. So this one is from Zenza, Z-E-N-S-A, Zenza Primitivo. Zenza is a line that is imported to the U.S., um, and it's all organic. Pretty much everything they do is organic. Uh, this is also vegan-friendly, which is a which is a whole other thing. People say, well, how is wine not vegan? Because it's grapes. But there are fining and filtering agents that have proteins that if you're a strict uh, vegan, you do not want egg whites or bladders of animals or things like that that don't affect the the quality or taste of the wine but but they're used in the production to fine a lot of the particles make it less cloudy Um, zenza is a oh man this bottle is just beautiful it's etched well it's not etched it's embossed um it's got like a raised design in the glass it's so pretty and uh, on the top and the bottom and primitivo is you said a lot of people know primitivo because uh, a lot of people think of it as Zen. And a lot of times, and there's been a little confusion or a little discussion maybe over Zen versus Primitivo. Are they exactly the same uh, DNA-wise? Uh, or Do they come from the same grape? Did they Are they just a little off from each other? But basically, I think when you look at Primitivo, Primitivo it's good to think of, you know, assume it's Zen or Zen-like qualities, but just from Italy. And there's a whole history with that, um, you know. Zinfandel, uh, it, it was it was grew primarily in in the U.S. as Zen, and in the 1960s there was that connection that started to be made with the Primitivo, and then they said, oh well, no, this is an Italian grape, which started that whole mystery of well, what is it? Is it Italian? Is it U.S.? And then the scientific community stepped in and did the DNA testing and said there were. That while they were closely related, they're not the same. It may have Yay, been a science. little deviation between the two. Yeah. Uh, you've got a group called Zinfandel Advocates Producers, or ZAP. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the Lodi. It's in, in you know, the Central Coast. They do a lot of work in, in California, and uh, they have some extremely cool educational programs. They have a lot of virtual events, and they just had one highlighting women who are making outstanding zens from places like Shannon Ridge and Dry Creek Vineyards and Terra de Oro, but uh, we're digressing a little bit into the U.S., but it is part of the story when, yeah, we, so when we look at zen and primitivo. Way back in the way, way back, um, there was a priest named Don Francesco Filippo Indelicati. He really likes some wine, mm-hmm. but, I mean, who doesn't? Um, Especially priests. Yeah. Because they have to serve it, you know. They got to be around a lot. So he got Mm -hmm. some grapes from Croatia, including one called Tribidrag. And he planted that in Liponi, Italy. He noticed that the Tribidrag grapes seemed to ripen before any other grapes. So he started calling them Primitivo, which means first first. Right. Um, So that name stuck. And so that's why it's called Primitivo. Then the thing is, Tribidrag came to Boston in 1829 from Vienna. Because back then it was all the rage to have these big glass, you know, um, what do you call them, greenhouses, you know, mm-hmm. and these um, biological specimens from all around the world. It was super cool because people were starting to learn more about different places in the world. So um, it had been taken uh, to 
to Vienna by the Habsburg monarchy, which ruled over Croatia at the time back then. Mm -hmm. So in Boston, it was received by a horticulturalist who was named George Gibbs, and it was used as a table grape and referenced to as Zenfendal, Z-E-N-F-E-N-D-A-L, which is a play on its Hungarian name, which I'm not even going to try. I'm going to spell this out. Zinifandeli. T-Z-I-N-I-F-A-N-D-L-I. I'd say Zinfandeli. 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 I don't know. Zinfandeli. So, anyway, so, so then Gibbs moved to California to follow the gold rush in 1850, and he took with him some of the Zinfandel vines, and in 1857, he planted them and used them for winemaking for the very first time in North America at Oak Knoll Vineyard in northern Napa. They still make great Zins, by the way. They do. have to say. Some very old vines. Mm-hmm. Um, so the wine was received so well that Zinfandel production boomed almost overnight. And by the 1890s, it had gone from being used as a table grape to being the most commonly produced variety for wine in America. Mm. So it's often heralded as the American vine. And some contend that while it's Primitivo brought over to America, Zinfandel growing in California has been there for so long that its genetics have shifted just a little bit to adapt to being in California. Okay, but we're still going to say Zen and Primitivo are mirrors. They're pretty mirrors much the same of each other. Yeah. So, so let's talk about this one because it's so good, mm. isn't it? It's rich. This to me is a rich Zen, and um, we've talked about Zens before on the show and how some can be overdone as far as alcohol, as far as the sweetness and the jamminess, and um, this is, I think. Um, uh, it's earthy in the way it's, that beets are earthy, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but it's the, got a plushness to it. But that nose has got a little vanilla thing going on for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I really do like this. I mean, vanilla, I mean, sorry. It does have, it has vanilla in the in the finish too to me. Yeah, but Zinfandel's kind of known for being a high alcohol kind of right. guy. I mean, I've seen him all the way up to almost 20. Yeah. And uh, so that's something to keep an eyeball on. So if you're going to be popping a bunch of Zinfandel, keep an eyeball on your, or Primitivo, on your... Uh, alcohol content because you don't want to accidentally stand up after having a couple glasses and stumble and my eyeballs do not have my glasses on so i can't see what the abv is on this one so this primitivo Mm -hmm. um where it's grown could have a uh dictating the fact in how the alcohol is hotter it is the more sugar you have developing and more sugar you got to turn into alcohol to make it wine and this one is from puglia and we know that puglia is is warm but there are microclimates within each region like everything Mm -hmm. um so uh, I, I I think this is another great food wine. What would I want with this? Because of that vanilla in there. This might actually, I know it's kind of an oddball left field kind of a pairing idea, but Puglia is the area from which we get burrata, which is that super creamy, milky mm. mozzarella. Yeah, love it. I think this would be okay next to that. The mm-hmm. way that a tomato is good next to mozzarella. Well, the acidity. I was going to say, put some tomato on the burrata and maybe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've had so, I've had, Burrata has become so popular in the U.S. now in many different ways. With, I've had it with grilled peaches and balsamic, and maybe even something like that would be good with this, a, a balsamic drizzle or glaze uh, with some fruit. Yeah, this would probably do really well with uh, a marsala, a chicken marsala, beer marsala mm-hmm. kind of situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could stand up to it. Totally, marsala, all the way. I'm I in. So. Who's I'm cooking in. tonight? So that is our trip, as abbreviated as it is into um, the regions in southern Italy. We did Sicily last time. This time we, mm-hmm. we kind of hit, just kind of grazed Calabria, talked a little about Basilicata. 
If you go there, go to Matera and plan to eat their famous pureed fava beans that are very mm. garlicky with the broccoli rabe. Oh, my gosh. And then get awesome. the Alianico del Vultura. Have some wonderful seafood in the Naples area. Um, the little towns around Naples are wonderful. Naples is a big city, and it can mm-hmm. be a little intimidating for people that aren't city folk. But there are a lot of great little tiny towns. It is. It's a big city. It can be dirty. It can be gritty. But it can. It's got all that. All that things. The things that people like about about city life. Most of it. You know. Not only do we want to do a little dream travel today and traveling through wine in the glass, we also wanted to show love to another part of Italy that you know is. Let's be honest. It's not on the A ticket of the tourist circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be on maybe the C or D. I'm, I'm guessing. You know, because most people, as you said, go into Rome and, and they go north or they start north and and come down to Rome. Very few people. The Amalfi Coast is just breathtaking, just yeah. just magnificent. Um, so perhaps when you see the names of some of these grapes and in, in regions on a bottle or in in the store or on the wine list at your favorite Italian joint, you'll be a little more uh, apt to try something new. I'm going to give a little quick shout out and shameless plug for a friend of mine who does food tours in Italy. Okay, go for it. He's an Italian dude. His name's Livio. Um, his company is called Zest of Italy Food okay. Tours. So if you're really into food, he might be a guy, and he's fluent in English, so he would be a good person to help you out and help you map your vacation if and when you do actually physically go to Italy. But in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed our virtual through the wine glass trip to southern Italy. Next week, we go to the belly, the middle part, Tuscany. central. Mm. We're going to hit Tuscany. We're going to loop in Abruzzo and the Marche just so that we can have a tale of two Montepulcianos. So we will be looking forward to that. We'll be talking about the food and the wines and everything glorious about the middle part. Can't wait. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check out greatminds.org. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Ciao, and thanks for listening. That was a good chat. I love that chat. Under an August moon burning above